Are you stressed by the busyness of life? Do you want to take your prayer life deeper? Well, our guest today is here to help us do these things. Uh, He is Rick Hamlin, and he's with me on the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle. Uh, Rick is a longtime editor at Guideposts magazine in the States. He's a frequent contributor to the magazine and often writes about his prayer journey and has hosted numerous prayer events. His new book from Thomas Nelson, a division of HarperCollins in the States, is called Even Silence is Praise. Quiet your mind and awaken your soul with Christian meditation. So today we're talking about prayer, silent prayer, and Christian meditation as Rick joins me now from the States. Hello to you, sir. Hello, my friend. Good to talk to you. Good great, to see- great to talk to you too, yeah. yeah. What is silent prayer and what is Christian meditation? The, um, you know, we, I, I, I worry a bit about that word meditation because when we use that word now, we're really thinking of, of the Buddhist Zen idea of meditation. But um, so often in earlier Christian language, that word was a much more about discursive reflection. But uh, what I would say is contemplation. If you think about Lectio Divina, contemplatio, you know, is, is closer, but, but, but for, you know, you know how words change over time. And so this is a, a practice of, of sort of what I do every day, sitting here on my sofa. I used to do it on the subway on my way to work, but uh, we're working remotely these days. So no, 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 it's, 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 it's you know, here's the, the metaphor that comes to mind is a, a comparison. When I was a little kid, my mother used to say, listen to me, you gotta get quiet to listen to me. So. It's my way of getting quiet. Why are people outside the church flocking to meditation these days, do you think? Uh, I think it's partly because the church is, has forgotten this huge history we have in, in meditative silence, going back to, you know, Teresa of Avila or a wonderful writer, Anonymous, who knows, uh, called the, the Cloud of Unknowing, uh, 14th century English, probably a monk. Middle English, my Middle English is not great, but uh, I can read translations of it. Uh, I had to do it at university. Well, I didn't have to do it. I chose to do it. Oh, my gosh. With a so you can read The Cloud of Unknowing in the original. With the student of C.S. Lewis, who was taught by C.S. Lewis at Oxford after the war. And he used to sit and read all these wonderful things in to us in Middle English from the original. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean... This, this, these suggestions, and he's writing for, you know, a prayerful community, but one of the suggestions I I love of his is that hold a a word in your head. And he doesn't say just, you know, he says a one syllable. Isn't that interesting? Just one syllable, God, love, peace, or he also says sin, what, what you think? Why would I meditate? I want to meditate on sin, but you know it's connecting you to that part of yourself that you also want to let go and give back to God. Yes. How have you been? Oh, we've already started talking about this, but how have you been personally influenced by the Christian mystical tradition? Well, yeah, you're, like you say, we we just started talking about this already. I just, you know, looking back at at some of those writers, um, you know, Teresa of Avila, the interior castle, you know, the different levels of prayer, um, Guigo, 
Cartesian, I, I want to say Chartreuse, but, you know, Cartesian uh, abbot of, I think, 13th century, you know, and, and when you think about their times, think how less noisy their world was compared to ours. I mean, you know, I, I'm digging in my pocket because it buzzes all the time. Those cell phones that we cannot possibly live without, you know, every time you want to get quiet, meh, meh, meh. Um, so so it, there's, there's a, a, a hunger, natural hunger in us. How do we deal with the inner noise in silent prayer? Yeah, you're talking. You know, it's the the outer noise, the honking of the car horns outside, or or in. But also inner noise. There's a lot of inner noise that goes on in me as well. The inner noise can be louder, often louder. Mm. The um. Wow, I was just reading something from um, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Okay, now this is 20th century, but talking about you know we all get worried about distractions, which I think is inner noise. Okay, I'm I'm sitting in prayer now. I'm I'm getting distracted, and as Bonhoeffer says, go with that distraction. You know, first of all, we all know if you pay attention to if you try to ignore the distraction, it's going to get bigger. It's going to sort of yelling at you. But if you go with it and add it to your prayer, I mean, the distraction might be the meeting that you have to have that day, the email you have to send. For me, I hate to tell you, but it's always about the checkbook and the balance and wait, you know, gosh, I I think we need a little bit more money here. And so to put those distractions, that noise in your head into your prayer life, don't, don't take it away from your prayer life. Um, the, in, in, in classic sort of secular meditation traditions, they, ta- they use this um, language of catch and release. Well, it seems to me that in a, a Christian context, yeah, you catch it, you, you, you oh gosh, uh, that thought, and then you release it to God. That, that I think is, is, so the noise and, and this is, we do this over a long period of time. You don't just, oh, I'm perfect at it. Oh, good. Now I can stop. It's something we grow into. Is noise prayer? You mean the noise in my head or the, or the noise I make? Mm, mm, both. Uh, I think it's an opportunity for prayer. If it's just noise that we're hiding from and fighting, I think that works to our detriment. Um, I think you know, I mean, like we said, the, the, the author of The Cloud of Unknowing, you meditate on the word sin, but oh, okay, yeah. Oh, God, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, let go, let go, let go. How do we actually do contemplative prayer? So my advice is you give yourself a time and give yourself a place. And I would say Time, um, the, the, the most important thing about time is that you repeat that over and over again, because then it becomes a habit that that's almost more important than how long a time. Uh, oh, I'm going to do 45 minutes. Oh, next day, I don't have any time at all. But if you get in this habit, oh, you know, before I go to bed, I have 20 minutes. Uh, before I get up and eat breakfast, I have 20 minutes. 20 minutes is a pretty, pretty uh, rich. If you just make it your prayer time, there's an enormous amount that happens in 20 minutes. Where was your, and where is your special prayer place then? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on a sofa. And so this is my prayer place, but 
a, a place that, you know, it's so the external stimuli of that place become your internal stimuli. Oh, years ago, I wrote a book called Finding God on the A Train, because the A Train is a subway train that I, I took to work and I take, you know, frequently now. And I, when I go to church, I take it. So I, you know, I use that as my prayer time. And that you could actually use that as prayer place. Wow, that's really bizarre. But when you dedicate a place to being your prayer place, it, it will work for you. Just like, you know, you pull out the, uh, the laptop, you know, you stare at the computer, you start typing in, oh, work, I got to do some work, I got to do some work. You get in front of the dishes, you know, you turn on the water, oh, I got to wash the dishes, I got to wash the dishes. Uh, you sit in that prayer place, oh yeah, okay, I'm checking in now, Lord. I'm checking out to check in. There it is. I'm checking out to check in. I would have thought the train would have been the, one of the noisiest places you could ever choose to pray. You and I were talking about this before we turned the recording on. Uh, and and you've had an experience doing well, this, we, my friend? We, were, we agreed that, I mean, I used to take the subway, the tube, as they call it in England, the tube, and you take the A train. We agreed that the, there's something about the rhythm of the noise of a train or a tube as it rolls along, as the carriage rolls along, that's contemplative, that induces that. Yeah, and and you know you're you're so uh, used to it. The car doors open, the car doors close. The, there's an announcement. What I also always prayed for was, uh, you know, God let my eyes open when there's a pregnant woman standing right in front of me. You know, let let me love your neighbors as yourself. I mean that that. That's also so much part of our faith. So, um, but uh, yeah, you experienced how it it it, it did work. I, but I think what's key there is is you make you're consistent with it, consistency. So that time and the place, and it also helps you prioritize because. And for me, that's why first thing in the morning works best. It's though I'm dedicating the rest of my day to prayer. Uh, how do we do? Oh, gosh, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Ah, how am I going to do that? Well, I had a, a, a church friend who uh, insists that his best prayer time is in his car while he's driving. Yeah, yeah. What that means, though, is you don't turn on the radio at the same time. No, he doesn't. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, he has that time with God as he's traveling. And he used to travel all over the country in New Zealand. Trains were fairly, and tubes were fairly quiet in England, though. You could, people didn't tend to talk to one another. I imagine, in, were you in New York? Are you in yeah. New York? I imagine the New York subway is a heck of a lot noisier than the London tube station. Well, you'd be surprised because so many people are plugged into their, you know, their headphones. Oh, iPods and everything else. So you can just, oh. I mean, I found you could just think away because no one was disturbing you. No one was looking at you. No one, the British have their newspapers in front of them. So, you know, you I mean, you could actually put on your own set of headphones mm. and, mm. and you know, even if you're listening to them or not listening to them. I once was uh, taking the subway and and I was ready to s go into prayer and a neighbor and friend ended up sitting right next to me. And I thought, oh, and then I had the courage to say, hey, let's talk uh, when we get to 145th Street. And that was right for her because she's a, a young mom and she, you know, this was her time to read her book for, you know, 10 minutes. So we did. I did my thing. She did her thing. And then 145th, bingo, we could talk. How do we use scripture in prayer? Uh, I love using scripture in prayer because you, you can take a little, little, little phrase, be still and know that I am God. 
There's a classic one. And, and then you hold that in your head and it, it, it keeps you circling back to, to what you're doing at this time. Um, very much connected against, again, to Lexio Divina, that, that using scripture. Um, yes, what is Lexio Divina? <laughs> Lexio Divina is, you know, an, an ancient practice. Once again, it's there, part of our, our heritage, let's not lose it, of, of meditating on scripture. And, and we were talking to the other Carthusian monk, Guigo, of the 13th century, no, 12th century, late 12th century, uh, up there in Chartreuse, up there in the mountaintop, you know, and he, he, you know, said that there are four steps. You, you read, you meditate, you pray, and then you contemplate. Uh, meditatio, or, uh, uh, oh, uh, no, lectio to read, medita- uh, lectio to read, meditatio to meditate, oratio, prayer, and contemplatio to, to contemplate. So it's, it's, you know, the, 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 the scriptures are so rich and to give yourself a time where that can be become part of your prayer life. I mean, you know, this, the, the, the pandemic had me just so full of fear. I would turn to Jesus' words. Remember when he uh, was talking to the, the man, who, the synagogue leader, who said, ah, oh, my daughter, you know, dying, you know, and, and, and he's going to go and help her. And then, and then it looks like the, the daughter has died. And Jesus says, fear not, just believe, fear not. Just believe. Think about the power of just using those words. Mm, yes, indeed, absolutely, and particularly in, the, in our current times, we might have already discussed this. I think we touched on it. How how do you deal with distractions when you, you pray? You you keep dealing, and you know what distractions are is is don't uh, distractions are, are 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 the process. They're they're not they're who we are, and so you don't don't fight them, but. L- the you know it just dawned on me wow how lovely to give those over to god to to use them as 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 prayer time i mean but like i said don't you don't fight a distraction it only gets bigger but if it becomes an avenue for prayer uh, you know sometimes our bodies give us physical distractions ah that ache in my back ah 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 well wait sometimes there's something that connects to that uh, that that friend who is driving me nuts. Oh, okay, Mister Judgmental. Hmm. Let's let's let that go. Okay. Is it important to listen to our anger when we pray? Yeah, I guess I was really sort of touching on that, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to think. <laughs> here's a connected to your friend who drives. I'm an easygoing, laid back, lovely guy so easy to get along with put me behind the wheel of a car and with the windows closed i amaze myself with the (laughs) anger that comes out oh why did that lady cut me off i can't believe it what is she doing you know the language isn't always pretty but but here all of us (laughs) not you Uh, sometimes yes (laughs) god bless you the uh but but here's something actually somebody helped me with this that they're talking about if you're angry with a friend you tell the friend so if you're angry at god tell god and sometimes we are angry at god what about worry most of us are worried at one point or another how can we use worry in prayer what do we do with worry 
you know, to get the, the, the birds of the air and the, uh, the, the lilies of the field, uh, depending on whatever translation you're reading the flowers, you know, Jesus makes that comparison, you know, sufficient unto the day. But, but part of our gift as humans is to sort of try to keep living in the future. Oh my God, well, what if that happens? And, and, and then and maybe that could happen and then make it, maybe that can happen. And then I thought, well, what is Jesus doing when he talks about, oh, consider the lilies, that we should be like them? Do they do no work? Oh, my goodness, they do enormous amount of work. Photosynthesis, the sun helps them. They're pushing up. They're getting the nutrients from the ground. They're getting the water. So the lilies of the field do work, but work is not worry. You know, it's not the same. So for me, it's a continual process to always to notice it and then give that worry over to God. But work, I'm going to still be working. You write, I think, if I remember rightly, at one point in your book, that we should focus on death in our meditative prayers. Now, that struck me. Why, why did you write that? We should focus on death and dying in our meditative prayers. <laughs> did you write uh, that? I hope you did. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no it, it's sort of like, I know I'd rather not focus. No, goodness, no. But think about our faith. Death plays a huge part in, in the language of the Psalms. Death played a huge part in our Lord's life. You know, he couldn't be resurrected until he died, and he died a terrible way. I just think, you know, it is a normal, it is part of our life, you know, losing a loved one, the grief, the sorrow, and and so much of our culture kind of buries that. I, You know, even that for people he passed, she passed. I, I would prefer to use the word die. Um, let's, let's be really honest. Let's not to try to cover it um, because it's, you know, if we didn't die, the world would not have room enough for all of us. So it's part of what we do. So, so do I want to put it part of my prayer life? Not necessarily, but it, in, it does come in there. How can prayer help us when we're up against a medical challenge? Uh, I've I've had my share of them, alas. For me, it's a it's a keeping the focus on something bigger than that momentary, and and fear is huge in in a medical situation. Oh my God, what was you know that that that's almost hardwired in us. Uh, recently, I was in the ER and I kept using, you know that, you know from the cloud of unknowing, God, God. Peace, 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 so that I could check out of the fear and check into something that was even deeper. I have no, I, you know, there's a, a basketball coach, John Wooden, who had a wonderful phrase. He said, make each day your masterpiece. Make each day your masterpiece. We never know if this could be our last day, but but can we not make it as precious and, and God-centered as possible? Yeah. So therefore, death can add some urgency to our lives. And here's a question from, uh, from listeners and uh, a question that's been asked of me over many years. What do, we, what, do we do, what do we do about unanswered prayers? What do we make of unanswered prayers? The, um, you know, there is that, that uh, God has three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and just wait a while. <laughs> Unanswered prayers often 
for me mean, okay, Rick, there's something more that needs to happen in here. Because I do believe God answers all of our prayers. And I'm not in that simplistic way. I answered it. I said, no, God's giving us a chance to grow when we feel like we've hit against a wall. You know, uh, think about Jesus. We're about to, you know, enter Lent soon enough and, and, and Jesus in the wilderness. Look, look how he couldn't do his ministry until he faced the trials that, that, that came then. God sometimes likes to make us wait, doesn't he? And his, his concept of time is not ours, I found, over the years. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, you know, a thousand years in his sight is like, an, uh, like a day gone or yesterday gone. Yeah. It feels sometimes like a thousand years. But anyway, why, coming back to mystics and literature, why is the, I'm fascinated by this. You mentioned Dante's Divine Comedy oh, in, yeah. your, in, your, um, in your book. Why is the middle section of the Divine Comedy your favorite bit? Uh, the Seven Story Mountain. I mean, Thomas Merton gave his book that title, I think, for a reason. Um, I, I do. I believe that that's the way things work. I, I think, you know, Dante has created a wonderful vision of hell that I think is not necessarily Jesus's vision of hell, but I think it's Dante's. But you know, so often that's kind of what's replaced the the, the popular imagination. But the um, in in the idea of purgatory, and and I'm I'm not saying that this purgatory is exactly the way I'm I haven't died yet I don't know how it works but 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 this wonderful idea in purgatory is what you start on earth you get to start finishing in the next life and so you're climbing that ladder because God only knows we we only just barely grasp some of the the good things that 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 we're trying to grow into and to think that that there's hope that we can keep on going, um, especially if we start something later in life. I'm not 22 years old anymore. Uh, so you keep growing. We're just about the end, at the end of our time, unfortunately. I'm going to, I was going to ask this question right at, at, at the start of the interview, and I thought, no, I'll leave it till the end because I'm just like that as an interviewer. Coming back to the title of your book, you know, Silence is Praise. In what way is silence praise? You know, I, the, the whole idea that God needs to be praised, I used to think, what, is he so insecure that, you know, he needs to, you know, it's for us. It's for us to, to, to have that chance. And silence, do, think about this in, in, in a performance. If, if you're an actor on stage, there, the moment the audience is really with you is when they're the most silent. Not when they're clapping, but when their breath's taken away and they're, oh, my God. So that would be my equivalent. Silence is praise. It's, it's a translation from the common English version of Psalm 65, I think it is. But, uh, um, but yeah, there, there's silence is praise. Okay, thank you so much. Rick Hemlin, uh, the author of this new book, fabulous new book, which uh, I thoroughly enjoyed reading. And we could talk all day, Rick, about these subjects because there's so much more to talk about. Uh, the new book, Silence is Praise, Quiet Your Mind and Awaken Your Soul with Christian Meditation, published by Thomas Nelson, a division of HarperCollins. Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You're tremendous. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.